Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. of the flagship show of the network, the Bitcoin Podcast. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, Black Dreas. And I am host number three, Dr. Corey Petty. Black Dreas, kind of like that. <laughs> I'm going to change my Twitter tag to Black Dreas since, since uh, Joe's calling me a true Andreas disciple. More like an Andreas no. prophetizer. My most recent on ramping is uh, it was very prof. I can't even say that prophetizing. No, um, but that's a a Texas number. Who's that? Who joined us? I'm just a passionate man. This is Wayne. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, what's going on, Wayne? Wayne has joined us from the line, he has opened up the lines this episode. Um, so if you're in your Slack, you got to mention. It tells you where yeah. to go to talk to us on the show when we open up the lines. If you're not in the Slack, you're a loser. the lines. The lines are open, so we're gonna t- we're gonna talk about a few things today. I want to talk about. I saw an interesting tweet in the Twitter sphere uh, this week when I was on the bidet, and it said, "I'm not arguing that bi- both Bitcoin and Ethereum will both be successful. I'm just arguing that Ethereum will be 100 times more successful than Bitcoin," and I agreed to that. And then Why? the other thing, well, hold on, man. I've got to outline the show. An old and show. then the other thing we're going to talk about is everyone's favorite man, baby. Uh, Donald Trump was tweeting about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency this past week, which to me is like Brian Armstrong said, a level up. We've got a new achievement. We've got Ding. the president of the most powerful nation on the planet tweeting about Bitcoin uh, we know that's not him actually tweeting, but we do know that they're starting to listen and understand that Bitcoin is inevitability. So, like Thanos, but like Thanos actually wins. Oh, shit. Uh, and, oh, uh, like you don't know Thanos doesn't win. And what Wayne is going to talk about. Spoiler alert, Thanos loses. If you thought he was going to win, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um and Wayne, do you have any talking points you wanna you wanna bring to the table? No, no talking points. Just wanted to join in. Man, we appreciate your company. I hope you have coffee like we do. Let's have a like fireside chat. Today, I think I just have a bunch of steamed milk. It feels like I'm not even drinking coffee. But do you see my Black Panther mug? Oh God, yeah, yeah. What'd you say, Cello? Towards towards that first point, you have to you have to look at. Who's saying that? And it's a guy who once 
Ether to succeed. He built Ethub. He hosts an Ether show. So of course he's going to say that. He's yeah, but he's not a maximalist. You're not a maximalist because you want something to succeed. If that's the case, then I'm a cryptocurrency maximalist, but I only like the good ones. That is a good um, as someone who pushes their own agenda. So they they have their flag in the sand for a coin they're championing, and they want it to succeed. So he's going to say things like that to push his agenda. He doesn't, you know, everything that he's building, his career is around Ethereum. Uh, Maximalist okay. is what I think is right, is right, yeah. and nothing else is right, regardless of what you tell me. He None of his tweets say he likes Bitcoin. Everything is ETH. ETH 2.0, he, he interviewed Vitalik. Ethub, all of that. Well, I am a maximalist liver because I think I'm right in a lot of ways about stuff, but I'm usually wrong. So, but you're not, are, are you willing too. to take evidence to the contrary into yeah, absolutely. change your mind? Absolutely. Well, then you're not a maximalist. Um, but I'm just why I agree with his tweet is because Ethereum is trying to be a much more functional cryptocurrency. And I like to keep my analogy simple. I don't know who started the analogy. I think it was actually, uh, what's his name? The Litecoin inventor, Lee, Charlie Lee. He said, Bitcoin is gold, Litecoin is silver, Ethereum is oil. I like that. Oil is arguably monumentally more successful in how much is contributed to the advancements of society, humanity, than silver and gold. Got to get rid of it, though. It's burning the world down. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sorry to take it to the extreme. But, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, it, there's, there's, there's contrarian arguments to that, though. Like, when you try to do too much, you never do anything well. This is something I would say. And so people say Bitcoin is going to be better because it narrowed its scope and it does something very, very, very well. Ethereum has a very broad scope, and because of that, it's very difficult to get security things done properly and to scale. And so they made a few design decisions early that make it very difficult on the entire ecosystem to scale well, in which that's what they're trying to fix with a lot of the F2.0 solutions and then scaling solutions on top of that. So it's just going to be a while until we actually see something like that happen. But for now, Ethereum is the one leading the charge on how, how smart contracts work what they can be used for, what they can't be used for, and how those scale, and so on and so forth. Yeah, he doesn't believe in a world where Bitcoin and Ethereum can coexist because Bitcoin's a threat to Ethereum. Oh, so he's going to... It's just stupid. Like, that's a stupid Yeah, that's, that's a stupid thing to say. No, so no, no, no that's case, what he's so saying. I agree I know, with you. You're right. I agree with you that he's a maximalist, and he's saying dumb things. And you know who else said something dumb? Evan, man, I've drank with you. We've hung out, but... Uh, Saying that Bitcoin is a meme coin is probably the dumbest thing you've ever he's said at, on he's Twitter. He's at the point now, Evan is at the point now where he's just trolling Bitcoiners because they shit on him so much. Like, I think he's now like a like a, a an easy target for a lot of um, Bitcoin maximalists to say things. And so he's just picked up the mantle and said, fuck it. I'm going to troll Bitcoiners. He doesn't believe these things. Oh, okay. Well, that's different. So he's like a, he's like a, a flat earther. No, flat earthers believe that shit. No, no, they're trolling you. <laughs> no, they're not they're trolling you. They're not. Have you watched that documentary on they, Netflix? They Those are. people are not trolling. Well, how do you know well, if someone's this, trolling you or not? So that's the that's there, the real There can thing. be people who have there can be people who have been convinced by trolls because they have to have something to believe in. But 
for the Bitcoin versus Ethereum piece, I, I'm pretty sure it was Andreas who gave the analogy, since D, you like analogies. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lion and there's a shark. Which one's better? Which one can beat the other? Well, they're in different environments. You put a lion in the water, he's at a disadvantage, he'll probably die. You put the shark on land, they'll probably die. And Bitcoin and Ethereum solve different problems. And while, you know, they both may do a few common things, and Bitcoin may gain a few smart contract things and that and and a little bit of of quote unquote and uh, Turing completeness as if that was a good thing for what Bitcoin does. I, I think the comparisons are faulty because they're they are so different in what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I think that's well put. And that's also like, when you look at it through that window, a lot of the criticisms on Ethereum from a Bitcoin maximalist standpoint don't really hold water. For instance, like the inflation rate of, of, of Ethereum is always um, used as a thing like, well, we don't know what the, what the monetary supply is. Well, it's not supposed to be money. So it, you can't look at it from the financial perspectives you do with Bitcoin because Bitcoin is supposed to yeah. be money. So it needs what that I, fixed rate. What I, what I think would happen there would be a, like a shift if what happens in the, um, I guess, more technically based colleges at universities started to expand upon the idea that, hey, if you're doing some research in whatever field you work in, you've got to pay for computation on our supercomputers. I think if there are more people that understood that premise like you do, Corey, because you personally did that for a while and I got a taste of it, um, they'd understand the power of Ethereum like overnight. They would say like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, no, no, I, 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 I absolutely I, get it. I guess I forget that people don't ever even see that world. People don't know that world. They don't understand the fact that like you need to pay for time for, and energy for computation because they think this computer, this is my Facebook machine. It just does all this fancy ass math in the background that I don't realize I'm paying for. Or maybe I do and my energy bill goes up. But they've never directly had to associate money with computation. Time. Computation time. And computa so what, computation time. I, I may have missed the beginning. I, when I first dialed in, you were talking about some person saying and you agreeing with a statement that Ethereum will be 100 times more successful. Was that, was that what was said? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agreed to that under the, the premise that Ethereum is going to be it's going to have the functionality of, say, oil as to where Bitcoin, it, it just wants to be money. And it's going to be a long trek to get there. But money is just, it's just money. So, so I, the, the, what I would add to that is, one, how do you define success? I think that's really important because when you say Bitcoin wants to be money, I, I know you, I, I think I know where that comes from, but, you know, Bitcoin doesn't want anything. I think we can agree to that. And whether or not how you define money, store of value, a method of currency, a storage of truth, all the things that something like Bitcoin or any blockchain could be, uh, then you add the consensus algorithm. You know, it, it adds a, an element of trust and permanence and all these different things it does. I think you have to define success in more precise terms than adoption or it's used as money or people are pricing things yep. in satoshis thank you my, my definition would be a function uh, utilization and how many different things ethereum can be used for and used 
to to power. That would be my definition. If you take something that is a, a virtual machine, the Ethereum virtual computer in it, or a virtual machine, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah um, virtual machine. It's basically like the way I've been trying to think of it in my head is like an operating system for a global computer, and you've got to pay to use that operating system. Well, yeah. an operating system does a lot of things. It has file explorers. It houses the, you know, or the the shortcuts to your web browsers. It, it, I mean, we've all used operating systems. We know all of the awesome things that they do. Well, in that regard, Ethereum is going to be monumentally more successful. Than Bitcoin. That's assuming that it's capable That's, of yes. scaling. Um, and so right now, because it's not, and probably shouldn't scale to something that large, the base blockchain of Ethereum, even though it's capable of doing a lot of things, it's not financially feasible to do those things. And so more often than not, you only put very, very, very important things that you need um, you, that require that trust, that you're willing to pay for that trust to put into it, or lack yeah. of trust for that matter. Um, and so you end up with like basically a lot of business logic and the permissions around business logic being put to um, the Ethereum blockchain and everything else built on top of it and around it. And so it's not really oil because oil is used for a lot of things. It's, it's more like financial oil. At for least for now. Oil. Foil. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, it, it's, that, it's hard that's, to say, right? And, and now with Taproot, well, assuming Taproot ever makes it into the actual blockchain, it may be able to do similar type things. Um, it's yeah. just, it, it just Ethereum's a lot easier. And so I, I think it might be. So opinion, sh shout out to your hashing it out on Taproot. That was really, really enjoyable. And I have to w listen to it again. Thank you. So if you're interested in what Taproot is for Bitcoin, go listen to that episode with uh, Andrew Pol Polstra. But, uh, hashing it out is getting some. Uh, you better calm down, Corey. You're going to start to get some groupies, man. People will be throwing their underwear at you. It's, it's, it's explaining things with you know words from the mouth of people who made it. Do you use your NPR? What's your NPR voice? No, I talk the exact same. <laughs> Do you have, an, I NPR have an NPR voice? No, I, my, my, NPR, my NPR voice would just include a lot of sound bites and transitions from music. Like high production value. <laughs> <laughs> That's welcome, all NPR welcome does. To, welcome to all things hashed out. Yeah, a bunch of like sound clips from the people <laughs> I interview and not actual the person interviewing. I think if I think that's the difference between top tier podcasts and everything else. If you could cut to music seamlessly, top tier podcast. If you can't, you're not a top tier podcast. Congratulations. You just need to be a DJ in a former life. Yeah. That's why that's why if you noticed I I cut to music immediately in the most recent just the headers. And that was some vulgar language, so whatever, but it was a rap song, so love it. Um Yeah, cello. I say we all do our best NPR voice right now. That's what I say. Hold up, I'll start. I'll start. So today we, we want to discuss a tweet by by the president of the United States of America, uh, Donald Trump. And what he said was, Bitcoin is for Dr. Doom. Uh, oh, yeah, the yeah, actual... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be your sound, soundboard. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Can somebody like do a slow, do some mellow saxophone noises in the background? So, I, like, can, I can put some if you like. I'll put that. And 
Donald Trump tweeted. What did Donald Trump tweet? I feel like I should have it memorized. Three, it was a- three tweets that he, he discussed. I responded to one of them in a very uh, worthless. For, I don't know. It was worthless to do that. I don't know why I did it. Yeah, he's not responding. Bitcoin is bad. So is Libra. You got to be a bank. That's the, yeah. that's the good TLDR. Yeah. yeah. Here, I'll, yeah. I'm so I got him here. He tweets ridiculous shit every hour, though. But oh, because this trying to find tweet, this tweet was impossible because he tweets so much ridiculous shit. Right. So just because he mentions Bitcoin, every outlet in this space has to dissect it. But the fact is, he's already forgotten about that tweet, and so is everyone else who isn't in this space. <laughs> That's so true. Not to get overly political, but he shouldn't be allowed to do that. Well, that's all I'm saying. The one good thing I will say about Donald Trump, and that's the only good thing I will say, is he is not following social norms of past presidents. Like, if the president shouldn't speak at this rally, well, he's going to. If the if typically by tradition he should act this way, he doesn't. That's a double edged sword, though. Um, it is because and he's well, and he's on the wrong well side of that double edge. Social media. Yeah, and that's can you what imagine I'm a seventy year old, a seventy year old being that proficient? Even if it's someone else doing it for him, he, he still he understands the medium by which he can connect with his detractors and his supporters. Yeah. As a seventy-year-old, you, you gotta gotta throw some respect to that. You know, I, refuse I give to that man zero respect. respect. <laughs> but what I will do is say that we've crossed this bridge before in history, and this is what happens when you don't learn your lessons. But a president is not supposed to. Um, any state like the entity they're not supposed to own like a media entity for this reason because they have direct access to a bunch of people and they can manipulate information we've crossed this bridge before and so what my generation is probably gonna have to do when we get old and gray is make it so that a president can't use social media like this because this is him having his own news organization yeah but we hailed it yeah, I know, but we learn lessons. Right. And now, now and, we're and learning you, the lesson. And you say you don't want to be political, but if if you judge a fact or something that someone says based on who says it instead of what they do or what they say, just like you know, if someone complains, oh look at what Obama's wife did. Oh, but when Trump's wife does it, it's fine. I mean, who does it shouldn't matter. So if someone adopts social media and they're seventy years old, I think that's a plus, no matter how bad. Trump is on so many other things. What I'm saying is want, the difference is, is when he became president is when the switch should stop. And that's when the switch stopped for Obama. He started tweeting from the White House account like a true professional would. He wasn't tweeting from his personal account. When you become an entity of the state, your Twitter shuts down until your until your tenure is over. That should be the rule because you shouldn't be allowed to personally tweet things that affect the State of the Union. Spoken by Black Dress. You should shut your personal Twitter down, run the White House Twitter account. You can do whatever the fuck you want from the White House Twitter account if you want to be that irrational. But your personal Twitter? No, 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 no. We voted you in. You work for us now. That shuts down. You tweet from the White House account. Well, this is not a political podcast, even though I would This is not a political podcast, so... I do Let's, have the tweets in front of me that are in question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read those tweets. I'll try and see if I can do this in an NPR voice. Let's see what I can do here. Tweeted by Donald J. Trump on <laughs> July Sorry. 11th, 2019. 
I am not a fan of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, which are not money, and whose value is highly volatile and based on thin air. Unregulated crypto assets can facilitate unlawful behavior, including drug trade and other illegal activity. This led to another tweet by Donald J. Trump on July 11th, similarly afterwards, dot, dot, dot. Similarly, Facebook Libra's virtual currency, virtual currency in quotes, will have little standing or dependability. If Facebook and other companies want to become a bank, they must seek a new banking charter and become subject to all banking regulations, just like other banks, both national, dot, 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 which leads to another tweet, which I don't have anymore. So, yeah. The thing I'm pretty about sure it, he, he doesn't know how a bank works. He doesn't even know how anything works. <laughs> like, first of all, why would right, he, like, I, I tweeted back on his first one. I was like, I don't expect anyone with your record of um, email and phone use to have any comprehension of asymmetric cryptography, much less Bitcoin. Like, we can't expect him to get it, right? He doesn't get anything. Like, his actions that he does just dealing with the security of his own position and and the, and the like I guess national secrets is so abysmal that there's no way you can even think he's going to comprehend the mm. basics of how Bitcoin works and why it's why it matters but what or he did is he, he put it in the zeitgeist Libra, yeah. baby and what he also doesn't know is Facebook's been applying and receiving banking licenses and money servicing money service business you know what I'm trying money ser- MSPs MSBs across the globe, they've been doing that for like, I don't know, six or seven years now. No. So, no, you're fired. But, so, but Facebook isn't going to be taking part in the Federal Reserve System. They're not going to be cashing checks or issuing debit cards or holding customers' funds. So, yeah, they will. No, show me and a single can. entity that has created or controlled a cryptocurrency that has a banking license for that purpose. Why would Facebook be any different? Facebook literally has you can get a credit you can get a debit card or you can at least put your debit card in there and you, you can like pay for stuff. You're breaking up. You bro. can store money as Facebook just like any of that. I I didn't catch that because you, you were breaking up, up my bad. That's because the know. government is censoring him. They can issue a debit card. Turn your video off. Well, I mean, I'm talking in the context of Libra. I mean, if you have a Facebook debit card, you're losing in life anyway. I'm just talking about, um, you know, this is very much along the lines of what the future of crypto is going to look like, in my opinion, regardless if it's Libra or something else or how long a government will stifle its progress. There's a there's reality to that. I mean, well, a part of a part of cryptocurrency. Like, that's the thing is, like, maybe that's the case. And once people get censored on that platform they realize there's another cryptocurrency where you can't get censored on yeah i don't just get passed around but it's like if it's for people yeah. who don't really need censorship resistance then they're probably just going to use that <sighs> yeah yeah it's going to be an interesting 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 next decade i know that for sure so um I think it's it's gleaning though. I think, like I said at the top of the show, Brian Armstrong said achievement unlocked, because now the state is cognizant of the the threat. It's a threat that Bitcoin has towards their power on that that uh, marriage between money and the state, and they realize like oh, and then oh man, Wayne, you might know who was the guy. Ah, uh, too much happens in a week. There, uh, I think he works for the Fed. And he or a central bank, and he said, um, "Yeah, it looks like 
with the introduction of cryptocurrencies, we could go back to a time where there are many different currencies. Chair um, the Federal Reserve, wouldn't I? There we go. Chair of the Federal Reserve. I, I don't remember the guy's name, but um, he called it both a store of value and something else. Um, that was like, you know, pretty telling that one, he, I guess he believes that Bitcoin is these things or he doesn't understand Bitcoin or he does. And I, mm. I, I, I would like to know the content or like his level of understanding to then put weight behind him saying these things. Yeah. But like, it's pretty big for the, you know, they're even talking about it. They're saying these things and they're, and they're treating it like it's money. Or like they're treating it like he compared it to gold and called it a store of value. That's what he did. And that's a pretty big thing for the chair of the Federal Reserve, an old 70-year-old dude, probably. I know. To say that type of stuff. Even, even yeah, understand I mean, that that's, something, that's a comparison you can make. If, if we, if hey, we I, like I got to drop, guys. I'll talk to you later. Sorry about it's that. It's all good. Holla, holla, holla. Holla, holla, holla. holla, holla. Um, oh, wow. There's a lot of white noise. No, it's fine on my end. Oh, okay. Um, there's something that I would like to do. <laughs> we supposed to have been doing for a while, and that is give a shout out to the people that deserve it for becoming patrons. Yeah, do that. Uh, I'm so, sorry, my computer's loading up now, but I'm, I'm getting it there. Uh, just, to, just, to, just, to, just we're gonna stop and do some general shout outs. Uh, Ken in the Slack, Wilk in the Slack. Thank you for not wilding out last Sunday. I appreciate it. Um, who who else? Five two K two five R. What's his name? Packer. <laughs> He's in there. Uh, Andy, uh, Jesse, Joe. Who'd you say? Go ahead, keep going. Stalker. Just trying it's, to it's, get it's, 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 he spells stalker and Leet speak. Oh, stalker and Leet. Okay, well, stalker. Shout out to you, Jess. Am I missing anybody? We should have a Patreon only channel in the Slack that they're invited to if they're and then that way it's easier New to level. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm glad you guys are picking up what I'm putting down on the segue. We will be revamping our Patreon tiers very soon. Uh so be on the heads up for that. They're pretty um, worthless at this point. They uh excuse me. Uh, and we will <laughs> we will revamp them. Those of you that are owed flaming hot Cheetos will be getting those Cheetos. Uh, Nobody's like emailing us like, "Where's the Cheetos at, bro?" Oh, on the contrary, my friend, I'm the one monitoring okay. that, and we get several complaints. No, we do several. not. You're a liar. I know. I know. I was. I just wanted to get see if I could light a fire in y'all's ass because we've owed people Cheetos for like a year. So, <laughs> so we need to get those flaming hot Cheetos. Out to the patrons. Um, it's gonna make somebody's day. The one day they get that stuff, they're just gonna, yeah, gonna laugh their ass off. What's in this box? Flaming hot Cheetos. Oh my god! Um, and a can of booty sweat. I love the booty. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had so we had some new patrons. Uh, thank you to Vince Gibbs, Mike Foster, and on Anila. 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 Anila, I think I'm saying that right. Anila, come to the Slack and tell us how he's uh, doing. We, yeah, come on into the Slack, join us for the combo. Um, but anyways, now 
back to Ethereum. Corey, did you check out that um, Taurus project that I linked a few times this week? No. Okay, so get it. Take your private key, bust that shit up into pieces. Give different random pieces to the main OAuth, I guess the authenticating services that exist today. And then when you log into a DAP, I guess the DAP, you tell the DAP IME, the DAP pings the authentication services. They send the pieces that they have. You say, yes, this is my private key. Then you get into the DAP. Is that a good process? And supposedly it's, it's, they just got a bunch of funding from Coinbase, from Google. Like you can log into the DAP. Then you've basically relegated your ability to log into DAPs to, um, fail if any one of those services fail. So depending on how they do it, if it's naive, you can just send literally non like non-redundant bits and pieces to every 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 service. Then if one of them fails, you can't reconstruct your original private key to log in. So So basically you'd have to have redundancies. And depending on how I don't, I don't I, it depends on how it works. It's a cool idea. I think there's better ways to do it to not rely on third-party services whatsoever. Like it's, it's, it seems like it's a convenience tool that doesn't need to exist. We should be building better technology, not technology that relies on kind of a trade your security and privacy off for convenience technologies. But what my, 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 the only reason I'm defending, and I think it's a good idea, is because what security is it if you're just breaking up your private key into a bunch of pieces and encrypting those pieces and sending them to a service? where's the security? I mean, the only thing is happens is, like you said, if those services go down, you can't log into anything. Yeah. You can collude. Right? I mean, if it's encrypted, it's not. Hold on, I gotta sneeze. This sneeze was brought to you by uh, White Claw Alcoholic Beverages. Uh, go to your nearest liquor store, pick up a bottle of White Claw. Isn't that for girls? Uh, maybe. I have no idea what young people do anymore, Corey. That's like seltzer no water, idea. is it? Uh, yeah, there's like... So here's the thing, guys. Uh, this is just a PSA for the audience. If you're drinking zero-calorie alcohol, uh, you're going to get cancer. <laughs> so you you should stop doing that, young kids. You should maybe just moderate, you know, drink regular alcohol moderately. But this is a PSA from D. Oh, we got somebody back in? It's just me. Oh, oh hey, what's up, Wayne? I had to go to the Wayne, I was, I, I was giving a PSA because I was at the grocery store recently and I saw zero-calorie alcohol. And so what I would like to say to the young people listening to the show is if you are drinking that profusely, you are setting yourself up for cancer later in life because you should not have zero calories in alcohol. There is some crazy-ass science going into that. So um, be careful out there young people uh, with your white claw and your alkalized seltzer water. I don't know how that's even possible. And sorry, Wayne, you don't know how we got on that tangent, but it happened. Oh, well, was... I'm guessing. I'm, let me take a guess. So you're talking about organic foods. There's organic certifications, but what are you really getting at? The blockchain can certify things. So you marry the organic need with the blockchain verification, and then you get to mm-hmm. alcohol I need to be mm-hmm. able to verify that my alcohol is really, really good and calorie rich. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In reality, Corey said he needed to sneeze, and I said his sneeze was sponsored by White Claw, and that's what started. <laughs> that's what started that tangent. <laughs> so, so you've got gamer girl selling her bathwater, and Corey selling and advertising his sneezes. I'm that's, not doing that's anything. That's the world we live in. He is taking advantage of my sneezing right. to sell something. That's the world we live. Uh, Chella, did you buy any of that gamer girl water? I thought about it. I wouldn't know what to do with it once I got it. Do I drink it? Do I splash it on my face? Do I look at it? <laughs> I would actually use it to brine chicken. Ugh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then feed it to your enemy? Yeah. Wayne, should TBP bathwater be a Patreon tier? Would that entice you? Oh, dear Is it Lord. a mixture of all our bathwaters? Or is it, oh is, it, is, it a, is it bathwater with all I, of us in it? No, 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 no. I'd, I'd rather there be Patreon tears. So when you guys cry, you bottle that and you sell oh, it to your Patreon. I never cry. I like what you did there. That's a, that's a god actually, level tier if you're getting that from me. I cry frequently watching movies. Sometimes I watch, uh, what's that movie with Matthew McConaughey where he goes into space? Uh, the Notebook. Interstellar? Interstellar. <laughs> did you say The Notebook? Yes, that's The Notebook. <laughs> Sometimes I watch Interstellar just to cry. That's why I do that. Um, you got to get the tears back, out. Back to the actual conversation that brought this up. Um, you got to exercise the ducks. Taurus is apparently using a distributed key uh, generation scheme with a bunch of different uh, stakeholders in the network, including OAuth services. And so you need like five out of nine in order to reconstruct the original key. It's an, depending on how they do it, it could be an interesting solution, but I still don't like depending on other people, to be honest. Yeah. Shouldn't have to depend on people to reconstruct things unless they're like, unless it's like a, like a, a, um, chosen people you depend on. So more like Mm -hmm. a social network graph of people you depend on to reconstruct keys. Like if you had like a way to recover your free uh, key, which is like a friends and family recovery, that's something that's useful. Relying on third parties is mm-hmm. not necessarily like relying on, you know, established third parties is not something I want to keep doing or keep making so, things. Corey, I, I remember, I remember hearing about rivets from you and that had to do with key management or at least key storage. Would, are they related to custodial services as well? Or is that completely different for, for key management? I liked rivets because they were ex, they were, they were utilizing trusted execution environments to do a lot of things. They were building, um, displays so like when you did these operations with keys you always did it from an ex- trusted execution environment on a screen built inside that environment that couldn't be tampered with by an operating system or a rooted device that's why i liked them um the reason for rivets is i have to go back and look it may be may be different and i think like if, if if it is relying on a third party to do things depending on what that is if it's holding my keys that's not what i want ever Mm. I mean, you know what blows me? I take that back. And uh, blows is slang. I found this out on the East Coast. For uh, per- This is perplexing to me. Someone used it the other day. And they said, man, that blows me. And I said, what? Blows me away. Yeah, I think you did, they take out the other words. But what blows me is that some of these giant entities aren't like dedicating a lot of, or maybe they are, and I, we just don't know, dedicating a lot of research and development to some of these decentralized applications in order to lower their costs. Like Facebook pays 
an inordinate amount of year just to store information. Like if you could store it in a decentralized way and like not have to pay all this money for electricity and not have to pay people to come in and make sure the servers don't go down and uh, admins and all the slew of people that you need just to store information. Like you think they'd be bending over backwards at the opportunity to try to, or maybe that's what they are doing with Libra. Hmm. That there's a, like, that, I've said that a long time for like the longest time is that like, that's how most institutions are going to adopt this first is to figure out how they can make their back ends more efficient. So they don't have to pay for things. So that usually increases their margins. Like it could do two things. You can, they can increase their margins or they can, they can pass that savings on to the, the, the customer. We, I think we understand which one's actually going to happen. Yeah. Um, and especially if it, if it allows them to take, oh, remove humans from oversight because humans are, are subject to failure. So if you can make something that's automated and trustful and, and you can trust it to work as intended without having any type of, you know, human level judgment on things and it works really well, you're going to do that because it's more efficient and you can rely on it better. Mm -hmm. So that's what institutions are going to end up doing by taking new technologies and seeing how it makes their backends more efficient. Bitcoin and Ethereum aren't doing that. They're trying to create something brand new that takes humans out of the equation in terms of who controls the underlying money supply or, or value. Hmm. And the question of the hour is how do we make all this cool shit that's cool to us nerds exciting to everyone? And that's where we all draw the blank. That's that's where the blank is drawn. Uh, I thought that's what Crypto Kitties was supposed to do. But anyways, go ahead. I thought that's what Crypto Kitties was supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, that's what we thought it was gonna do. Uh, that was like I feel like that was just an embezzlement scheme. <laughs> People, I don't understand why <laughs> that got so big. I mean, it, yeah, it, it actually introduced uh, the concept of NFTs, which has been fantastic for the. Um, people creating new use cases on Ethereum and learning how you can do stuff with smart contracts and also the standardization of non-fungible tokens. And since digitizing real-world assets is such a large use case for things like supply chain, uh, that was a good standard to make. Mm -hmm. But it also makes games. Like You can make trading card games, which is, I think Gods Unchained has just released a... Um, a beta, you can buy packs of cards now. So like if you like Magic the Gathering and Hearthstone and things like that, it's a basically NFT-based card game like that that you'll be able to play, which is really, really nice because you own the cards as NFTs and the markets around trading those things becomes really, really easy to do. And you oh, also yeah. have provable That's scarcity. Dangerous. Like provable scarcity. That's dangerous. That's That's dangerously awesome is what I'm saying, is that if that becomes popular... Um, you basically got an entire economy going on and there's a lot of shadowy shit that can go down in there, but also it's like powerful because those trading card games are addictive. Yeah. They've, they've got a pretty good team behind them in terms of game makers. Cause if you don't get the rules right on that, like if there's power creep or like an, like an imbalanced part of the game that gets manipulated, mm -hmm. then the game won't be very fun and it won't be used, which means if people aren't using it, then the value of those cards is that it's going to be nothing. Um, so people actually have to use it for any value to flow into it. Yeah, the economics like, is incredibly important for that. And that's one thing that 
a blockchain-based game, especially if you can take things and move them into others. That's one of the things that, you know, the collectible type token for gamers, a lot of them have been chatting about that, you know, you, you make an achievement in game one, well, because it's a, a collectible type of token, then that achievement can be actually used in another game and it will allow for people to cross-pollinate inventory, cross-pollinate experience so that, you know, the 700 hours you put into game A can actually be used as an elite status in game uh, B. And it, and it, and so it's, it's kind of like, you know, Marriott saying, hey, if you've got Hilton status, we'll give you, we'll match the status. So I can see that in vastly, vastly increasing the competitive nature between the game makers. I always worry about that. Yeah. It's very difficult to get that balance right. So like that become like if you think about how farming happens in World of Warcraft, uh, at least a long time ago, you know, Chinese farmers basically just mining gold and selling it for real world for real world online, so people could skirt the actual work of doing things. If you have cross yeah, that's cross how Brock game Pierce experience, made his first fortune. Yeah, mm-hmm. if you have cross like cross game um, value flow, then the concept of of mining or grinding out a game in order to, to get to a certain status becomes like across multiple, multiple, multiple games. And you're, if, if that balance isn't, isn't correct, you'll have one person playing a game only to grind out uh, a certain amount of value to then transfer to a different game. And that's the only purpose for that game. And so like, as a game maker, that's just stupid. Like, I, I wouldn't want someone to do that, although you could argue that's a su- successful game. But not for the reason that, why any game maker would ever make it. It actually cares about games. That, exa- that exact same mechanic is why I'm taking off my Ethereum hat this episode and saying that is what holds Ethereum back when it comes to all these <laughs> tokens. That's what holds Ethereum back when it comes to all these tokens. Because say one token becomes the token that is the thing that does the things that people like, well, everyone's going to be not using the other tokens and just, quote-unquote, farming them in, in like trade to trade up into the other usable token. So if that's manipulation, token, yeah. If there's if it's easy to manipulate to do something like that, yeah. But someone would argue that that market is actually like helps find equilibrium. Hmm. I don't know. I think there's yeah, multiple I mean, sides it's, to that it's, it's very, it's very similar to frequent flyer miles and credit card miles. So you know they're they're all competing for each other. The hotel points, the airline points. Well. You know, United is really, really trying hard to make sure that you get the most for your points so that you're not taking an American flight or a Delta flight. But then the credit cards are like, oh, don't worry about your flight, your airline flight miles. Why don't you just get city points or chase points or American Express points? Titty and points? It's, it's a, it's a he conversion. Said city, city points. Oh, I heard titty points. So he said city of course, points. Of course you did. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Brains in the dumpster this morning. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, that, that's for modem and TTY people, right? You know, and the TTY port, you know, for oh, deaf people. Yeah. That's how that, that, <laughs> that's, 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 points are. That's um, what you're talking about, right? Yeah, okay. that's what it is. No, um, I'm talking about today's. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's just, that's one giant game. I would say that the credit card is a better option there. That's my personal experience. But anyways. Um, well, because you can use it in multiple places, right? Absolutely. The, the actual, yeah. 
economics is worse for you in terms of percentage of value. I mean, I mean, go, go to the, the points guy and, and look at some of the travel blogs to see how to maximize, how to get bonuses. That's how you try to game the system. But, you know, getting rewarded for your loyalty is something to factor in. And that's what the chain loyalty points are for. But, you know, just utility, you go for the credit cards. Now, if you take that to blockchain and games, it, it would be similar where EA is likely going to have EA points and Microsoft is going to have Microsoft points and Ubisoft is going to have Ubisoft points, but you know, they're going to want to keep your loyalty. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that for just a second before we start wrapping. And that is if all these companies, not if, when all these companies have tokens, what's, and I'll put my Ethereum hat back on. They're all ERC something tokens. Isn't the fungibility of those tokens going to be... Because then at, then they have this essence of a security because some tokens are going to be more valuable than other tokens and they represent some sort of value that's tangentially connected to whatever entity that made them. doesn't necessarily make a security. Hold on there. Um, I said... I didn't say a security. I said like essence of security. It, you know, it's it's that's a little stocky, is it not? Okay, just a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's the phrase. <laughs> that's the T-shirt. It's a little stocky. Um, <laughs> well, is 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 M-Pesa stocky because you can trade your your cell phone minutes for money or food? No, nope. no, no. That's it, not that what represent I mean. a share of a company. I think that's when I mean, you start to it, get into issues. Yeah, it doesn't, but it. It kind of does. Like, it, there's still this. I mean, Cello says it all the time. Like, these companies aren't doing any products. Their token's not worth anything because they're not doing anything. Well, that's going to be the connection that most people have is that these tokens represent some sort of value proposition from whatever entity that made them. They're not going to be the associations that we have. That's that they're going to be that association. And so, when you do that, though, uh, doesn't it mess with like. See, this is why I just say Ethereum's got to be oil because that's it could do too many things. And like one ETH, one Ether is has one person's Ether has more, different value than another person's Ether. No, it doesn't. Well, because what if one person's? Well, no, it doesn't. You're right there. <laughs> it's fungible. Well, as long as there's a market. Yeah, and, yeah. You know the the IC, the ICO funding capability was because you had a collectible token that you could say this one is mine, and we're going to associate this token with you, and that's that's how we're going to do that, and then you know we'll do a swap later. Yeah. Yup. Uh, I want to end on um, still got some time left. A quiz that uh, happened on Twitter that Emmett Goon Sarir retweeted and said, if you don't get this right, you know, or you should not be able to vote on uh, Bitcoin blockchain size or any other network parameter associated with a blockchain. And the quiz <gasps> is, a, is a very interesting. Um, Give me the questions. Quiz about Bitcoin and how it works. So the quiz is 1000 tiny transactions send a total of one BTC to address a, all right. So address mm -hmm. a has the total of one Bitcoin. That was gotten there from a thousand tiny transactions. You mm -hmm. then send the one BTC from A to address B. The fee for the A to B transaction is what? 
huge or tiny? It uh, um, is tiny. Doesn't it depend on what has been previously sent to A? No. Could, well, there was a thousand transactions that go into A, and those are UTXOs. And when I learned Bitcoin years ago, you had to you know, summarize all those. You have to take all those and send a transaction because you can't send one Bitcoin. You have to send all the thousand transactions. But I know there's been advances, you know, and so I don't know if those advances helped with that. So the answer is huge. For those who are curious because of what Wayne said, and there are not advances yet. Schnorr signatures will help with this tremendously, but they're not there. Mm. Um, so right now, if you create a transaction in Bitcoin, you're not just sending something in your wallet. You're sending references to previous transactions that have hit your wallet. In this case, 1,000 tiny transactions. And those are called inputs. You take a UTXO, unspent transaction output, which is what you receive from somebody. That was, that's the, the UTXO set is the state of all unspent Bitcoin, which is owned by people. If you wanted like to if you'd like to craft a transaction, you then reference all the UTXOs that you that you want that add up to the amount that you'd like to send. Those are your inputs. Then you specify outputs, usually two. One to the person you'd like to spend, to like to send money to, and then a change address that sends back sends the rest back to yourself. You can then craft you can, you can do whatever you want in terms of outputs to do to pay multiple parties and do other things things like that but the essence is if you would like to send an amount of bitcoin you have to add up all of the utxos that have been previously sent to you to match that amount or more and in this case that's Everything a very large transaction that's a, to, to me it's like anybody who pays you always pays exact change and when you pay someone else you have to use only what you've been given Correct. So if someone gives you a dollar and someone gives you a hundred pennies, you have two dollars. And if you want to give someone a dollar, you can give them the one dollar that you got. But if all you have is a hundred pennies, you have to give that next person a hundred pennies. Correct. Yeah. Now, but once you give it to them as a hundred pennies in one transaction, they now have a dollar and they can send that one dollar on. They don't have to send the one hundred trends. The hundred pennies. That's what I was thinking. Why doesn't you can't change the hundred pennies into a dollar? That's what he's saying. You have to. You you have to you craft can, the transaction. But you to have do to pay that. a fee. So at some point you have you, to pay the fee. Yeah, at some point you have to make the transaction that transfers one hundred pennies to a dollar. Now that transaction is expensive, or sorry, a thousand transactions. If we're talking about the quiz, into into one BTC. And in order to do that, you have to sign every single UTXO that you're that you're saying is yours. That transaction gets very large, and since you pay by the size of a transaction in Bitcoin, that transaction fee is really large. So the more data you send, the larger the fee? Yes, it's a yeah. very similar situation. Yeah, the, for the, like, the fee is Satoshi's per byte. Yeah. That, that's what the fee is denominated in. See, I was under the impression that these thousands of tiny transactions get, like, they're batched, and then they're in the new A person's... Somebody has to like, pay for that. No, the, the wallet handles the obfuscation of many to one for you and mm -hmm. different wallets do it differently. And then some wallets allow you to specify a fee and some wallets allow you to specify a fee to start with and then add fee later. And, you know, so for example, in Electrum, you can say, send this with, with no, with, you know, you know, have it confirm in 25 blocks from now, which means tiny, tiny, tiny fee. But the fee isn't, here's the fee, like, you know, the boat on, on Sharon it's, I'm going to charge you 
per parcel, and I'm going to charge you this many Satoshis per byte. And it wasn't SegWit the one that helped reduce the amount of signature space it took to do that? No, yeah. it's the same amount of space, but they discount the space in terms of fees for signature data. Mm. Okay. Uh, so it reduces the fee, but doesn't reduce the signature size? No. Okay. It's also, it does, it does make the like, whole thing smaller by ordering it appropriately. And so it's, everything's ordered nicely, which makes a big difference in terms of actual size. Um, but what's interesting here is the Schnorr signature. So like, we, okay, we've gotten to the point now where like, if you, have, if you do something like this, it costs a lot of money because you have to include every single signature. What Schnorr signatures does is it turns all of those signatures into one signature, which you can then prove you own all of those things, which means that the, the actual fee or the size of the transaction goes back down to what would look like a normal transaction of one-to-one. -one. Mm. And that's, the, that's one of the powers of Schnorr signatures, one of the many, um, and why people are trying to get into it. But for now, that's a big deal. And so if you don't understand this concept and you're debating blockchain, uh, block, block size stuff, then you, you don't know what you're talking about. You should shut up. And that's basically the, the point I mean, Gun Suryu is trying to talk about. It's like, these things are subtle. And if you don't understand the subtleties, then you're just, you're, your opinion doesn't have a lot of weight. And yet, and you have a lot D, of very this loud directly goes to, Sorry, and D, this directly goes to your success question and adoption, because how do you, how do you use Bitcoin for tips? How do you use microtransactions? How do you use it when it takes 10 minutes to, to get one confirmation? And there's a certain percentage of transactions every day with, with one transaction confirmation, and it's invalid because it was part of an orphan block. I mean, it happens every day. So you need a minimum of two confirmations to be somewhat certain, and you really want six confirmations to make sure that's there. So that kind of drawback for Bitcoin in terms of being you know, easy money flow, you can't do microtransactions, not, not with the fee structure the way it is. And that's the point of Lightning. Well, yeah, that's the, the point the of the lightning. Point of lightning, right? So like the lightning should take over that type of use case on top of Bitcoin. But it has sure. it has its right. Usability. Go ahead, Marcello. So you set up a you set up a channel just to get one tip, you know, one one tenth of a cent tip from somebody, right? You'd really have to set up an infrastructure, set up a set up a bigger channel, and settle it whenever you know fund it with enough Bitcoin that of what you want to receive. It's it just obviously it adds a lot of burden to the receiver until it gets easier, right? You know, we're, we're in the early, early days of Litecoin, but you know, you're, you're swapping off the blockchain verification right now for that speed, but you also have to set up the channel. You have to fund it. You have to settle it later. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there when, you know, why not use IOTA? No fee, tiny transactions, very fast. Zero security. You know, or use something else, right? <laughs> well, but but for tips, who cares? Because I'll get it. I'll trans. I'll I'll transfer it when I feel like it. When it's big enough. Yeah. You have so a wallet that it's, handles it's it. It's all the trade off. You have a wallet that handles it all. And that's the thing is like in in, in reality, the software is going to be doing all of this. Shella, do you have something to say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people. How many people listening to the show need to understand UTXOs? Care about understanding it for adoption purposes? How many hey, people are going to care? But you're right. Not a lot well, of them. But what's going to happen well, is that. Uh, a receiver, say say someone tries to naively use this for microtransactions, like Wayne was just saying, and they try and send that money, and the fee is absorbently large more than what they want to send. They're going to be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I don't want to use this. My only argument is, they, or... we're not talking to those people. 
those people in essence are not our audience. So if you're listening to the show and you got bored with all that chatter on UTXOs, please kick rocks. We're not talking to you. <laughs> well, this, okay. well, this is also if, if you're out. bored by all of that stuff and you don't want to listen to the fundamentals of this technology that everyone is raving about and you've seen the price grow five digit percentages in under a decade, if you're not concerned with the fundamentals of how this technology works, go kick rocks. I, um, I would bet there's lots of rappers talking about fundamentals. There's, there's lots of rappers talking about Kardashian. There's lots of comedians talking about Walmart gift cards and random conversations. If you're more interested in that stuff, go listen to those podcasts. Uh, this is a podcast about cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. So, so we do from time to time talk about the subtleties of why we are so excited about this technology. So, um, I should if give credit to the guy. You got bored. I should give credit rocks. to the guy who gave that that Twitter that Twitter poll, or it's a poll or quiz on on Twitter. His username is J A E S F Jacob Eliasov. Eliasov. I don't know how to say his name. But yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. I think it shows. Like, if you look at the results, it's um, look at the current results. There are fourteen hundred and thirty-three votes, and thirty-seven percent say huge, and thirty-two percent say tiny, and thirty percent didn't vote. They just said show results. So, mm. I mean, it's almost half and half in terms of who actually voted. Yeah, I mean, I got it wrong because oh, I, I misinterpreted the question. I, I thought it was like, oh, person A is sending one Bitcoin to person B. Well, they can set whatever fee they want. I didn't, I didn't understand the subtlety. So, there you go. Um, well, so the, the that will also impact adoption because as people use wallets that don't let you specify a fee, like Exodus, which is the prettiest wallet, right? It's it's beautiful. It's easy to use it has the most coins on it you but work for it doesn't Exodus. let you specify a fee <laughs> i wish i did <laughs> did you see their uh you're shilling right you see now their job description posting no i i was sold on them when i saw their job description posting about a year ago it was the best written job description ever it really i mean it said you know find a typo in this in this job description and you know it was just it was amazing that's what gets you off huh but <laughs> uh, intelligent, buses. smart, creative people. Yes. Okay. I the, but the I'll point there is that people will learn about fees when they send their first transaction from Exodus or any wallet that doesn't let you specify a fee, because then they're going to realize that the fee was twenty, twenty-five dollars at that time, and they're sending you know five dollars a Bitcoin. Yep. Hmm. Mm. So. Okay, wow, this show just keeps going and going. How do we explain the median fee dropping so so starkly? The last time we were experiencing prices like this, the median fee was super duper. Now it's not so super duper. Well, so and I, you, you, you're talking about the, the what you posted in the Slack earlier this week, right? With the the price correlating to the fee, the median fee, instead yes, of showing the mempool, which it should have, because the 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 fee has nothing to do with Bitcoin's price. The fee has to, well, not nothing. It has a little bit to do, but it mainly has to do with the mempool size. Well, I, and it, so what is reducing the mempool size? People okay, not doing transactions? How, how many people so. are sending transactions? But so the transactions who, if, are if just Bitcoin, the size they were. No, no, I, I, I don't think so. Okay, there's, there's a few if things you, here. If you, 
and there's a there, how you contribute to the mempool is one how many people are trying to submit transactions and two how fast how many of those transactions you can fit into a single block per 10 minutes and three the size of those transactions so if you have a, if you if people are regularly sending like, like pre-set quick transactions those are going to be larger and so they're going to take up more space in the blockchain and uh, what a miner will do is they try and figure out what transactions they're going to include from this giant batch of potential transactions people are trying to send is they order them by the fee. They choose the larger fees because they get those if they win the block. Uh, and so as that, as that demand for getting into a block grows, as people keep trying to use the system, um, the, the average fee of what you need to do to get into the next block grows because you have to beat out everyone else. And that takes into account uh, how a miner chooses to order transactions is up to the miner. But typically, they order first on price and then on how much movement's going to take. They try and optimize how much money they can take, they can make. So if they can fit the most large fee segwit transactions into a block, they're going to make the most money on that block if they win it. Currently, average transactions annually are higher than they were during the last moon in 2017. And the median you're, you're, fee is you're, you're doing annual? You're doing annually? Yeah, I'm looking at confirmed transactions per day, the number of daily confirmed Bitcoin transactions. Right now, I'd say the average is somewhere around 375K. Back in 2017, the height was 355K. So, I mean, my argument still stands. The adoption of the technology is driving these costs down that we've been so worried. Everything is going just as planned. I don't understand why there's mass hysteria every other week in crypto. It's not like Ethereum is much cheaper, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't, I don't get it. But that's that's just me not getting it. So I think the highest transactions per day that's ever been on the Bitcoin network was close to 500,000. It was, I can't really click on it. The resolution's bad on this graph. Take that back. Ethereum's like an order of magnitude cheaper. 490,000. 490,000. The highest it's been this year is 452,000 in a day. So, so I, think, I mean, I think part of that it is, you know, it, there was SegWit. There, there were the and SegWit 2x the debate there, but there's more wallets now that allow people to specify their fee. There's more people aware that they can send something with a lower fee. I mean, I I, I hardly ever do something within one block, two block, five blocks, or ten blocks if I don't care when it gets there. And if I'm not doing mm -hmm. a time to base payment, I'll do a 25 block fee on a transaction and. Yeah. So what it's doing is it's smoothing out the graph. So it's kind of like with with climate change, people will look at the highs instead of the average and, mm -hmm. and use that to make a point. Well, if the average transaction, the average number of transactions every day is higher, but you're, but you're just looking at the peaks, that is not saying how many actual transactions went through in a time period. Whereas with more people, having more knowledge about how to more efficiently send their transactions, for example, using a Segway compatible wallet, using a lower fee and just letting it go whenever, and maybe using replace by fee to, you know, to accelerate it later, you're going to have 
a higher average transaction, but a lower set of peaks because you're, yeah. you're squishing and, you know, doing that graph. And so that's why I said that kind of data is either intentionally misleading or the person who posted it doesn't really understand how Bitcoin fees work because it has nothing. It has little to do with the price and more to do with how busy the network is yeah. at any given time. Man, this show could keep going and going, but we've really we're gonna, gone a while. We're gonna call this this show uh, Donald Trump and climate change. Donald Trump and climate change? Is we gonna do that for the SEO? <laughs> oh, let's do it. Let's let's just uh, how, to, how to yeah. how to sell your sneezes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how to sell your sneezes? That'd be a good name of the show. So I guess we need to wrap up. Shelly, you want to sprinkle in some flavor on this? Yeah, we're uh, we're doing a lot of stuff. We're always doing a lot of stuff, and uh, that's no different this week. Uh, Patreon, like we mentioned, is going to be uh, edited and refined. Uh, the Slack is on the website, the link, and that's always popping off. There's not a time where I'm not checking my phone, and there's like 300 missed messages. So it's a very active community. Scare them away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, get in where you fit in. There's a lot of channels, a lot of a lot of discussions. Uh, also on the website, there is a book that's on Amazon. It is very cheap. It's like ten dollars for I don't know 150 plus pages. Uh, three years of interviews where we ask everybody. Um, it's got a lot of pictures. Much, it's got a lot of pictures. A lot of pictures. Yeah. Basically, they're uh, kind of like their base level motivation for getting in the space and what they think about the space. So it's a collection of that. Um, also, you can find us on uh, YouTube, Instagram. Twitter, all that good stuff. New shows, uh, Block by Design should be launching. Uh, they're they're taking a uh, a very comfortable pace getting that out to make sure it's right. the The quality is good for you a guys. Full studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So quality is better than quantity. Hopefully, it might be the <laughs> best first episode of any podcast ever made in the world. We'll see. Um, and then hashing out dose of ether uh is pumping out regularly so network is firing on all cylinders please join absolutely what what i what i'd like to also say is that as we grow and we're not making it a mystery that we're always trying to grow uh, our public channels are going to be much more general um and i've received some personal complaints from people as to some of the goonery and foolery that goes on in some of those so keep all of the goonery to random let's try that random is the place you go to just speak Goon. your mind, goon out, crazy memes, language, whatever you want to do, barring nudity. We don't need to see pictures of anyone's ex-girlfriends like what happened last year. All right. We just don't, we don't need to see that crazy shit. All right. Just keep the goonery and random, all the other public channels like Price Talk, General, um, you know, let's, let's be, I guess, adults, I guess. But well, no. Because adult content is adult content, but you get the idea. Um, you get the idea of what I'm trying to say. Um, let's see. Um, what else? Out. Let's go. Oh yeah, shout outs. I already did them, didn't I? No, just oh like wait, no. General. Oh yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to Zoe Saldana, Zazi Beats, and the lovely Carla Lewis. Uh, play.